Chronicles of Cadio. This is episode two. I'm Nick. And I'm Ellie. And today we're going to kick off our episode talking about... What are we watching? TV, which makes up most of our lives. Okay, that's a joke. But we do like watching TV. So basically, we love to ask people what they're watching on TV to find out things to watch. And so we thought that we are going to share with you what we watch. So two things that we're watching. One is The Alienist, which is a series on Netflix. Um, I think it's a Netflix original. Yeah, I think so too. It's about... (laughs) I'm going to have to summarise this really concisely. This is going to be a challenge. It's about a character called an alienist, which is basically equivalent of a psychologist set in the 1800s, I believe, in New York, and is following a gruesome murderer, and he's trying to solve the crime. It's like Sherlock Holmes mixed with... Not sure what would be a mix of Sherlock Holmesy with uh, a psychological element, which is interleaved throughout the whole thing. I'd say it's a bit of a new one for us. We're only two episodes, two maybe three, three episodes in, I think. Yeah, it's um, quite dark. Yeah, it's quite dark. Like literally, it's quite hard to watch when the sun's shining through our multiple Velux windows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, and also it's quite and it's also a bit like, gruesome in terms of storyline, but. It is good. It's got us hooked. Yeah, I love um, it. The first episode is really great. The second one is also pretty good. I find that sometimes on Netflix, you, the first one is absolutely fantastic and it gets you hooked and the rest of the season's kind of meh until the finale. But this one actually seems to be quite promising, so hopefully it'll be good for the rest of it. And what about our second? So our second is a classic BBC drama who doesn't love the BBC dramas. They do fantastic ones. The Split. It's a nice, easy to watch, something that you come back from work, you just want to stick something on TV and it's there for you and it'll be good. The acting's good, the writing's really good and I think it's actually, like, the story is quite engaging. Female empowering as well. So, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. That also... There's been three episodes of that and I think we'd both really recommend that. Yes. Yeah. So, should we transition on to our topic of the week? Yeah, so our topic of the week is dinner parties. Do you think that dinner parties are becoming a bit obsolete now uh, with it being so easy just to go out to a restaurant or order takeaways? I don't know. I think that for us, we really enjoy doing dinner parties. They hold a different merit. I think that if you want to go and you want to have like a specialist food or something done very professionally, I guess you'd probably go to a restaurant. Like then. if you want something really specialist, like something you can do. Or someone that's really well trained in something. Like sushi is probably a good example. Yeah, probably sushi just because it's really hard to get the fish from a normal supermarket or whatever. But I do think that there are so many, I mean, I'm speaking personally from our experience that there's actually so many times that we've been out for dinner and the company's been great but the food actually hasn't been that amazing and when you're spending quite a lot of money which in London it invariably is when you leave you've spent loads of money but not really enjoyed the food it's a bit oh was it worth it yeah yeah. Um, it can be really hard to choose a really good restaurant. There are good restaurants out there, but there are also some pretty... Pretty dodgy ones. And I mean, you... what, we had one this week, and I ordered a Vietnamese chicken bowl, and I got a pile of egg fried rice and a chicken wing. Was it a chicken wing? A chicken, it was a chicken something. It was a chicken drumstick, but oh it just looked so unappealing, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, that is extremely frustrating when you go out and you can't actually, you can't have something that you feel like you couldn't do just as well at home. So yeah, that's definitely something which is nice about doing a dinner party is that if you think you can do it, you might as well do it at home because then you've got complete control over everything you do. You've got all the ingredients, you can cook it just how you like it and perfect it. Maybe that makes us sound a bit like control freaks. Okay. <laughs> it is a bit control freaky. It definitely is. But there's something nice about that and being able to control it. Okay, so do you think that dinner parties have evolved? Do you think in the past they were something different? Yeah, I reckon they actually were. Like today, it's not very common for people to kind of be all like, oh, come round to mine for a three-course dinner or anything like that. I think it's more, uh, come round to mine, I'll cook pizza, we can have nibbles and drinks. Like kind Um, of very informal. Yeah, but if, I mean, maybe it's just TV representation and things, but I don't know, from stories that like my grandparents say and things like that, people used to go round to each other's houses way more and have dinner. Maybe, but maybe that's also another sign of there weren't that many restaurants and things like that open or gastro pubs in countryside areas yeah so we're we're both from the countryside so if our parents wanted to go out it was quite a bit of a trek to go out and you'd have to drive and one of them wouldn't be able to drink because of that so because i can remember my parents having a lot of dinner parties but i don't know if that's Mm. you know maybe it's just me remembering things differently well i just remember as well we were talking about it once and women used to be given books think the famous ones from Debrett's and it was a book that literally told you how to host a dinner party (laughs) what sort of stuff did it say can you remember things like how to invite people it gave meal suggestions I mean obviously one of the ones I read I think they did multiple issues of it but one of the ones I read had things like baked Alaska in there prawn cocktails so definitely a sign of the time got things on cocktail sticks (laughs) yeah I do think that maybe previously it was a bit more of a bigger thing, whereas now it's a much more casual thing. And maybe what you do is you go round to people's houses and then you head out. Yeah, sounds a lot. It's kind of like a, almost a mini party, like what you were saying earlier, where it's more coming over for snacks and then going out to the pub or doing some sort of activity. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely. That happens a lot more. I think... The, the main difference is that, in from my memory, with my parents and growing up, dinner parties were a massive event. And instead of inviting a couple of friends over, which is what we kind of do, they would invite 10, 10 people over, like five couples or, or whatever. And so it would be a really big thing. But that might also be because right now we're living in a smaller place, so it'd be lovely if we could get 10 people in here, but we can't really do that with our space. People always want to come over and things like that. And it's very rare that anybody doesn't want to come to a dinner party. So that makes me think that maybe they are actually popular. (laughs) (laughs) I guess... I think it's very nice to go out and be cooked for. I don't think anyone would ever turn that down. I'd love that. Could you imagine going around to someone's place and just, you know, being spoiled? It'd be fantastic. But I guess uh, that leads us quite neatly into the next question. Are dinner parties still cool or are they cool? I reckon they're pretty cool. I mean, maybe that's just because I love entertaining. I just love having people over. I also love going to people's houses because I like... (laughs) It makes me sound really weird, probably. I love to see people's houses. I love to go inside. Not necessarily snoop around, but I guess this sounds like I like to snoop around. I just like to see how other people live. I like to see how they decorate the place. I think a home is a really good sign of people's personalities. 
and I just find it really, really intriguing. Also, I think cooking is a sign of people's personalities as well. <laughs> How so? Well, if you think about it, my sister and her boyfriend, they are newly vegetarian, but they're very experimental with their cooking. They're always, they don't ever really follow a recipe. They just throw things into a pan and see how it turns out. Whereas we, I'm not saying we always follow a recipe or anything like that, because a lot of the time we modify, but we have a basic guideline of what we want. Yeah. And then we work from that. I guess you and I maybe more develop recipes. <laughs> That's how much we believe in our own abilities. <laughs> we make them better. <laughs> well, that does sound very cocky, <laughs> doesn't it? No, I know what you Just mean though. Like you, 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 you personalise them. You make them more to what you like and what you prefer. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you don't want it quite as salty, you just reduce the amount of salt. Adjust the flavours to how you like. I wonder if part of the thing that holds people back from a dinner party this day and age, as one might say, is it because they're not so common and people think to themselves, well, what would I do if I were to host a three-course dinner party? Oh, as in people are nervous about doing it? Yeah. Because I guess if you've never done anything like that before, cooking three courses for guests... Or more, like if you've got little nibbles. I'm going to count that. I'm going to count that as a course. (laughs) Um, But if you're thinking about that, if you're not used to cooking, if you're not used to that kind of thing, then naturally you might be a bit, oh, I don't really know. Yeah. And I guess it could be... also. For some people, it might be really stressful. Cooking, people might find cooking stressful. We're very lucky we enjoy cooking, we enjoy entertaining, but people might find having people come to the house. Again, I think this is probably especially true of young people who probably don't have the biggest kitchens. Having to cook a three-course meal in like a tiny place would be super stressful, especially if you haven't done it before. Nicholas is obsessed with how the size of the kitchen influences your ability to cook. I personally do not think that that is the case. It's some of the most famous, thing. some of the most famous chefs cook on one portable hob. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just think saying... about Jamie Oliver. All right, fine. He cooks in a garden. Fine, fine. fine. He doesn't even have a kitchen <laughs> in some of his stuff. <laughs> But yeah, so I think that maybe it's more that. And then obviously comes into question, is there an etiquette that is associated with dinner parties? Because I think there is. Yeah, I think there's definitely an etiquette. So there's an etiquette for if you're hosting and an etiquette for if you're attending. I think the etiquette for if you're attending is more important usually because you're being invited into someone's house and you've got to like sounds really obvious but just be polite and also offer to like bring things so i think that the, the common one and it's probably came up in that guide that you were talking about earlier where you should bring flowers and some wine or any old booze probably these days yeah um, or like chocolates oh, but basically it's something for the host yeah. Because I guess, let's face it, you're getting a free meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter what, someone ends up lucky that night because they don't have to pay for food. But I think if you're hosting, the only thing you really have to think of is before it, just checking, you know, are there any food allergies? Is there anything anybody doesn't eat? Yeah. Just to make sure that you're not obviously going to hospitalise someone or something like that. Also, I don't know how you feel about this one, but I think... a a big etiquette point for the host is not to get too stressed out um, because sometimes when you're when you're cooking and say it's coming up to the main course and you've got to make sure all your timings are spot on because you want to do the best course you can possibly do it's really easy to get flustered and if that comes out it does look a bit 
bad. It kind of puts a bit of a mark on the evening. Yeah, but I think... I know this... I totally agree with you, but I think that with practice, that eases... I mean, we rarely get flustered. It's all in the meal choice, I think. You want to choose something that's not too difficult. And something that's not going to keep you in the kitchen. Something like that is where the Roasting Tin book, honestly, best book, comes in. It's written by... We're not sure who it's written by. (laughs) (laughs) I would get it, but I'll make loads of noise. No, it's a fantastic little book. We use it loads for our weekly recipes and also for dinner party stuff because it's just got a nice blend of posh meals, but also meals which are really easy to do. And yes, it does mean that you can prep everything quite far in advance and then you can just whack it in the oven and then go through and just entertain your guests. It's by... Oh my God. (laughs) It's advice when you don't know how to pronounce the name So it's by Rukmini Liar. Nailed it. Which I definitely don't think is how you say her name, so I do fully apologise for that. But it is honestly one of the best cookery books I have ever bought. It's so good and the recipes are ones that you will have the ingredients in your cupboard or you can get them from a Tesco Metro because we don't actually have a big supermarket near us. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing is you choose simple dishes that can be prepared ahead and can be cooked really simply in the oven. But don't shy away from stuff that needs to be cooked on the hob as well, because you definitely shouldn't restrict yourself like that. Also, if you're doing everything in the oven, it tends to be very, um, yeah, very mellow. Like sometimes it's nice to do like a steak or a duck breast or something, or just to sear stuff on the hob first before you chuck it in the oven. Okay, so whilst talking about hosting, do you have any other hosting things that you'd like to bring up? Any other tips or bits and bobs? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's something that I have a real bugbear about and... Yeah. All of my work colleagues will know about this because I spent quite a long time talking about it when I said we were going to do a dinner party podcast. (laughs) Is the serviette. The serviette? The serviette is an absolute crucial thing. Okay, I did not realise this. I've been hosting dinner parties with you and I didn't even realise this was a thing. You're going to have to enlighten me. But you know that we always have a serviette on the table. Yeah, I've noticed this. Yeah, no matter what. Because it is the worst thing if you go to somebody's house for dinner and they serve you food, you might accidentally spill it, it might accidentally dribble down your chin. Everybody has had that happen. Um, Anything can happen. And you just want something to, like, wipe your fingers on, wipe your face on. You know, if if it's tomato sauce, you might want to just dab around your mouth. But it's the most awkward thing when nobody gives you anything and then you're like, oh my God, well, what do I do? Because if it's on your fingers, where you then, what, wipe it on your clothes? But that's gross. I was going to say as well, having a serviette at hand saves you from having to run to the sink, try and clutch a kitchen roll or whatever and then dab yourself down. Exactly. So I definitely think that a serviette is your number one tip. Everyone will be impressed as well because everyone loves a serviette. And you can buy them so cheaply. You can buy them either really cheaply in Ikea. They're like a pound a pack from Tiger. You can even buy them in the supermarkets, although they are slightly more expensive in supermarkets. But that is my one thing. And you can Never also... serve food at a dinner party without a serviette. That's your number one rule. That's my number one rule. That's, that's a pretty good rule. And, and always good... have tap water on the table, number two. <laughs> and ice. Always have loads of ice. You'll need lots of it. That's, that's probably my number one rule. And also just a, another thing about serviettes is you can fold them up and make them look pretty. So you can make them like a bit of a showpiece. 
That's a very minor point. You can, but we never do that. We never do that because... No, because Nicholas gets way too stressed when he tried to make a water lily on the Mother's Day dinner. Yeah, don't do not do anything too crazy. Probably, like, keep it simple. Maybe just do, you know, a half-fold. <laughs> Push it. Start pushing it from there. Um, okay, and what about entertaining? What kind of things would you like to talk about around entertaining? I think that with entertaining, the whole thing with a dinner party is it's an experience. Yeah. Um, and people are coming to spend the time with you, enjoy your company, enjoy your food, and invariably it will probably be the food that you like and you enjoy as well. So I just don't think you want to get too like bogged down with the entertaining side of it. Just be yourself because if you think about it, if you went out for dinner you wouldn't have a list of entertainment things up your sleeve. It's not come dine with me. You're not going to be rated (laughs) on like having sombrero-hatted singers coming in and serenading you while you eat. Just have some nice music on, whatever the music is. You can always ramp it up in the evening. I think music is a big point. So my advice would just be have music and just try and tailor it to something that A, you like and B, whoever you're having around is probably going to like. I think yeah. the, the traditional stuff's like sort of like mellow jazz, isn't it? Or like piano music or something like that. But it's absolutely great for that. You can just chuck on a playlist or make your own if you don't have it. So yeah, I think creating a nice atmosphere yeah. is good. And well, I, I say you'd probably choose your guests together with people that you think would get along or that you know get along. I don't think obviously you'd want to put people that would rile each other because then it would just get awkward for everybody in attendance yeah definitely drinks is a big thing if you know that you've got big wine drinkers make sure you've got wine in if you know you're having only beer drinkers make sure there's beer available we've got friends who who absolutely he he doesn't drink any wine and he's very specific on his beer he he likes is it cider can never remember but very fruity isn't it and so we always make sure we've got that in for him yeah but also you might have people that don't drink alcohol you might have people who are pregnant and in that case i'd suggest you just make sure that you have soft drinks available always have an option other than water yes definitely it's also handy to have and it keeps and you can have it afterwards so it's 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 not an issue is it i think to cure the uh hangover the next morning yeah exactly so how do you manage and choose your food with the managing and choosing of food i always just make sure that i check that nobody has any dietary problems or is a vegetarian a vegan celiac all the other ones also if you're doing like a prime cut of meat make sure they like it so for instance what? You're never going to just be like, oh, do you like this prime cut of meat? I don't know how to say it, but you know, like, some. for instance, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If someone was cooking lamb, I'm not the biggest fan of lamb, so I wouldn't want them to buy, like, a whole leg of lamb. I'd just always ask, make sure if there's something that somebody likes or doesn't like, and then you can factor that into your menu choice. The other day we had our friends, Lauren and Jamie, over, and Lauren said that... Jamie wasn't overly keen on raspberries, which was a dream for me because I absolutely hate raspberries. Don't I hate raspberries, they're lovely. Really don't like raspberries. I was like, fine, we can just make sure that there's no raspberries in the dessert. I mean, obviously there wasn't going to be any because I hate them, but it was good to know that. (laughs) Yeah. Because on the off chance that everybody else did like raspberries and I didn't know that I might have served a dish. And I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable if I have the opportunity at the beginning to just check if there's something they don't like or they do like, I'd much rather that to make their experience more enjoyable. 
Yeah, and it also means you you make something that they're going to like more. Oh, yeah. And And you don't end up chucking away food that you've cooked because that's just a waste. Yeah. So I say the main thing with, like, the food is just check for anything that someone might not like or can't eat and then just plan. Make sure you plan it and make sure that you get the ingredients with enough time. The worst thing is when you have a plan and then you go, like, the morning of the dinner party to buy the food and they don't have one of your key ingredients and then you're stumped. You either have to change the meal or whatever. It just throws everything off from the beginning and it's not needed yeah exactly okay and then finally what tips and tricks would you like to share well obviously i very passionately shared with you my serviette tip which i think is great i didn't know that was even a tip but <laughs> and I my water agree. tip as well just because people like to have water with their meal i think we've shared quite a lot of them already actually with our tips about alcohol and things like that i've got a couple so i've got two big ones i think well, they're not big, but they're, they're little things that you can just bear in mind. So one would be try and jazz it up where you can. And what I mean by that is if you think you can add a little bit of something to anything, make it a little bit more special, then you might as well do it. So you mentioned water earlier. It's absolutely fine. Just put like a jug of water down on the table. But why not chuck in like a couple of mint leaves or you could put some cucumber or slice up a lemon and put it in there. It just makes it look a bit nicer. Oh, yeah. Like the added extras, people secretly, they might not comment on it but they'll actually really appreciate it and they'll log it in their heads and be like oh that was good and i really think it does make a big difference you know you, if you see it you're like oh this, that, that's nice and it makes it taste nicer another thing along the same sort of lines is like adding garnishes to your meals they go a long way of making it look pretty yeah i guess adding adding a basil leaf to the top of a tomato mozzarella salad yeah Makes it look really good. Another one is if you have two chive stems, you can do that thing where you cross them over and just delicately lay oh, yeah. them on top. That always looks Simple so trick. professional. Oh my God, that would look so good with someone at work. Sophie inspired me with this. A fish cake with a poached egg on top. And then you could just do, do two, chives, yeah. two chives. That'd be the dream. Yeah, and a little bit maybe on a bed of asparagus and crushed new potatoes. Look, there you go. <laughs> Tower it up. And you, that you is another... Yeah. You've got... Uh, number one <laughs> meal there. The key to making food look sexy, Super simple. I think, is to get a big plate, but don't be afraid to show off the white of that plate. I think a lot of people like to kind of spread food around the plate so it looks like you've got a big portion, which is fine. But if you bring it closer to the centre, we bring it off centre, you know, as I said, just out, do what you want with it. As long as you show off that white, it makes it look a lot more like sleek and professional. And as you said, tower it up and it looks so much cooler than if so, you've just got your veg in one corner, you meet in another corner and whatever else in the other. It just looks a lot nicer all as one nice showstopper. And you can do that really simply on any plate. Like you don't have to buy special plates for this. Definitely Just not. maybe centralise it on any plate you have. I don't want people to be sat here thinking that we have an oh abundance God, <laughs> of like crockery or anything like that. We absolutely don't. Our crockery is from IKEA. Yeah. We do also obviously have now we got married a full dinner service. We don't use that. It's not with us in London because we're living in a shared property at the minute. We just use our everyday we use our plates. everyday IKEA plates. They're plain white and they're fine. Probably no one would even think they're from IKEA. Yeah. 
That's, I guess that's another tip. You don't have to go out. You don't have to go out and buy fancy stuff. You can just use what you've got and around home. Make it work. I mean, our cutlery is the cutlery that my parents had when they were 20, I think. Yeah. It's, it's a cute cutlery. It's not, any, <laughs> it's not anything that needs to be heavily invested in. So, yeah, I think that's probably our top tips for a dinner party. As a little treat, the first person that texts us following listening to this will put a dinner party on for you. <laughs> Let's yes, see who gets back to us. Let's see how many people listen. What if no one ever texts us again? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we took a bit of a hiatus in getting this second episode out. We do plan to do it much more regularly than this. And now we've got a few bits of equipment that we can actually probably record with, like this microphone. We should be able to do it a lot more regularly. And now... The special feature of the week is the roasting tin. Obviously, we've already talked about it, but we have used this so frequently recently and we're definitely going to plug it because it's incredible. We can't recommend it enough. Our mums both have it and do (laughs) dinner parties for each other using the roasting tin dishes. Yep. And I've bought it for my friend Pippa. We've given it to people for loads of presents. Basically, it's just such a good book. And it's by Rukmini Liar. Definitely nailed it that time. That was definitely, that was that was the one. But you can buy it on Amazon. It's a yellow front with a picture of an avocado and chicken on it. I mean, what's not to love, right? And yes, if you're in the market for a recipe book, get this. They have one coming out as well really soon. For vegetarians. In July for vegetarians. And it's called the Green Roasting Tin. So we'll probably be getting that as well, just because my sister and Henry are vegetarians. So a great option for them. Yeah, and my advice is, if you're not sure about buying the book, you can always buy it for your mum and then just look at all the recipes and see if you like it. All right, guys. Well, that's it from us this week. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.